place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now. How you doing? This is Chris Latore, and you are listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 74. And let me tell you, this week, it's like a neatly wrapped chimichanga of awesome comic book fun. This week, we actually cover New Comic Book Day, September 28th. And let me tell you, what a great week of comics. And there were a bunch of them which I'm going to get into soon. But thank you so much for joining in. I'm your host, Chris Latore. Thanks for joining in on the NerdCon, that is Sunspots Comics podcast. And please tell a friend politely, ever so gently, to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Sunspots Comics. And also, if you want to play a game, just hit me up on Xbox Live. My gamer tag is Sunspots Comics. And some quick thank yous, of course, to Nick Papa George for making our fantastic Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check them out at facebook.com slash and his Instagram at pop underscore D's. He's back with the band Solution. So very cool, Nick. And check out his Facebook. You'll see some show dates that he has coming up. He's a fantastic musician. Also, thank you to my son, Jables Justin Latore, for his fantastic work on the Sunspots Comics blog. You can look at it with your eyeballs at blog.sunspotscomics.com and follow him on Instagram at JustLAKings. So check that out. Also, you've probably already seen on the feed... There is an exclusive, world-exclusive interview with Zach Kaplan, the creator of the Image Comic Books, Image Comic Book called Eclipse. Yes. And it was just a lot of fun. It flowed really well. He's a super nice guy. I have the utmost respect for him after getting to know him a little bit. So enjoy it. And for your listening pleasure, just check a look at the feed and you'll see exclusive interview with Mr. Zach Kaplan, the creator of the comic book called Eclipse. Very, very cool. So let's just actually uh, jump right into podcast number 74, and which is a one thing floating around in my nerd brain, which is I'm actually writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. I'm doing the writing, the coloring, and lettering. My friend Jordan Hudson, hey Jordan, is doing the art. Please check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. It's fantastic. I also have the site zombiedestroyers.com where I've posted a few sample pages of ours there for your for your viewing pleasure. So put your eyeballs on it and check out zombiedestroyers.com from time to time. We're actually working on page 14 because 13 is done and I'm putting some final touches on page 15 and through 17. And uh, this is where the zombie destroyers uh, group is actually regrouping and doing some additional training, and then they're going to try again to head out there and destroy some zombies. So it's just a ton of fun, passion project. I can't wait to show you everything. And we even picked our, our cover, which is very, very cool. I wish I could tell you all about it, but I can't. <laughs> but it's very, very cool to see it all coming together. And it's just so absolutely warms my nerd heart. And also, just a quick uh, mention of our segment, Spotlighting. If uh, you or someone that you know is trying to get into the comic book biz because you love it and you're passionate about it and you want to have some light shined upon you, maybe talk a little bit with you on the podcast, even have you as a guest to talk about your struggles 
and your tribes and tribulations of trying to break into the comic book world. Well, our segment here and us here at Sunspots Comics are here to help you. We'd love to spotlight you, talk to you. So if you're a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letter, it doesn't matter. Send me a link or hit me up on uh, social media, of course, at Sunspots Comics or direct email me, chris at sunspotscomics.com. I do have someone in the pipe lined up that I will be getting to hopefully in a very, very soon in a very close to the future podcast here. And uh, so I'm very excited about that. But I don't want to talk about that yet, but that's coming. So uh, please subscribe to the podcast and you'll get all that in your feed coming up very, very soon. So let's get right into my favorite part of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my comic book reviews and recommendations where I pick my favorite comic books for New Comic Book Day, September 28th. And spoiler alert, but don't worry. (laughs) I I don't uh, usually touch the last couple of pages and I really just work on just harnessing my powers of persuasion to just inspire you to go and buy these comic books at a local comic book shop. So I really don't try to spoil them, so don't worry. But just in case, there's a little spoiler warning for you. And if you'd like to see everything that I'm reading, all of my favorite picks of the weeks since May of 2015, just go check out sunspotscomics.com. Click on pull list to see every single comic of the 110 titles that I'm currently reading. So check that out and also click on just top comic books of the week so you can see all the past top picks. And I just, of course, have been working a lot on the site lately to just make it nice and simple and easy. So I'm real proud of it. So please check out sunspotscomics.com from time to time. And this week, the art winner is Mr. Gabriel Rodriguez of Tales of the Dark Side number four. He's the art winner and the cover art winner. It's fantastically beautiful. It's gorgeous. You have to put your eyes on it. It's like these sort of koi fish and a snake and bats that have turned into these sort of tendril-like maybe octopus tendrils or uh, these sort of just kind of a sea monster. And they're it's they're <laughs> it's coming out of the iPads that these two children are holding that look absolutely deviously frightening and dangerous. And it's uh, let me tell you. Um, Frightening, <laughs> and I love it. They act- actually, the two kids drawn have this sort of peanuts kind of style to them, like a Charlie Brown sort of penciled mouth. So I don't know, that just adds the creepiness. But he definitely wins with his beautiful penciling, which of course is very reminiscent of his lovely work, Gabriel's lovely work on Lock and Key, which you should check out. And I guess there's a new, a new um, arc of it coming out, which is which is totally exciting because they kind of wrapped it up. So I, maybe it's a whole new amount of a whole new group of people, a whole different house. I mean, who knows? But his work here is so hyper detailed, the emotions on the faces. Uh, This comic book is truly frightening, which I'll get into later, but his art is gorgeous. I've always loved it. He's definitely one of my favorite artists of all time. And he just has this way of drawing these facial features and, and they are just so hyper realistic and frightening at the same time, but very, very good and beautiful art and just some great just action-packed sprawling panels here and I love what he does with uh, some of the unique coloring here he's just sort of all over the place so it's extremely just rainbow of color it's got to give Ryan Hill some props here for coloring but it's definitely my I just kept looking at it over and over again and the cover just continually pops out at me so that's why it's my art winner and art cover winner of the week Gabriel Rodriguez thank you so much Tales of the Dark side number four is beautiful as they all are So, as I said, this week I bought 18 comics, and eight of them actually made it to my favorite pick list, which is below that 50%, so a little bummed at that, but there was a ton of goods in there as well, just these eight 
were great, so buy them. And there were five new number ones this week. There was Batman Beyond Rebirth, Tank Girl Gold, Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes, Frostbite, Surgeon X, and only two of those five made it to the top picks, which is not bad, right? That's okay. I would have liked them to have been all five, sure, but, you know, it doesn't happen. But you'll have to just tune in here. I'm un- I'll unveil very quickly here as to what two made it to the top pick of the list out of the five. So very, very cool. So here we go. Without further ado, these are my favorite comic books for the pick of the week's picks of the week for new comic book day, September 28th. And coming in at number eight from Image Comics is Descender, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dustin Wynn, friend of the show. He's been fantastic. His cover's gorgeous here too, showing Andy, grown-up Andy, who is a robot hunter killer, and Effie in her they're both sort of in maybe their late teens in this picture. They do not look happy. <laughs> but it just already with the with the facial features here, you wondering you're wondering kind of what's the tale here. They're holding hands, but they look kind of miserable. And Effie is the uh, going forward now in the comic, she is the queen in between. She is very pro-life in the area of robots, and she has now infused some robotics to her body. And this is the kind of heartbreaking, emotional story of Andy, who, after his parents were destroyed in this giant mega-robot, where these giant mega-robots attacked these planets and kind of wiped out most of mankind, and so the robot robot world has sort of creeped up with artificial intelligence to sort of be um, a sub- part of the civilization that they deal with now. And because Andy's parents were killed by uh, these this robotic or armada, he just uh, is at very much to his core of his character is all about disposing of every robot he comes in contact with. And he's uh, he he does that as a living. He gets uh, paid for it. And this sort of sort of shows that motivation. It goes. It's a flashback to where Andy is just sort of wandering this planet, and he's taken into an orphanage. So very sad. But he meets Effie in this orphanage, and he's definitely a broken little kid and lost. And it's portrayed so well with the art here, and it's just a little heartbreaking. But he meets Effie, and they become super friends. And I love the little sequence where Andy's just completely oblivious that Effie has a big, huge crush on him because they're very young, they're kids, and she just has to spell it out for him. So you already get that that feel of their personality here, and it, it just works. You have the, the sort of brash and straight up and right to the point Effie and the sort of shy, sort of reserved, sort of broken, a little bit beaten Andy. And they they the two unlikely people sort of find their way romantically and, and sort of fall in love, and they're... they're childhood sweethearts and they fly there's some mess around with time here and they flash forward to where they're on these hunts for robots and they're they're landing with bounty hunters that will go around and sort of find robot planets where even there's these it it sort of reminds me of Genosha in the early the prequels of Star Wars where there's this, this planet where all these robots are being made and they find that there and Andy's just very cruel and Effie sees this side of him and it it works it's a it's a messy relationship sort of issue and it ultimately leads to their split Effie goes the side of robots you know should live and Andy is the no they all need to be destroyed and uh, does the relationship work out? You know, it's uh, hard to say. If you're currently reading Descender, you sort of know they are just recently, as they flash back forward to present time, they are together again. And so it adds complexity. It adds depth. I like that about the relationship. 
that's why it's uh, my number eight pick. And the art, of course, gorgeous Dustin Wynn. He has that oil painting, watercoloring mixed of style, and it's very unique and different. And a lot of the rough penciling is still sort of left there, but a lot of heavy respect to light. And that watercoloring effect is definitely unique and different. And when you open this comic book up, it's just kind of like nothing you are reading currently. Nothing I am, anyway. And so it definitely has a unique feel and look in this crazy futuristic tale. But to check out Descender as just that little heartbreaking sort of tale of two orphans that fall in love and then who knows. <laughs> so coming in at number seven is The Flash Rebirth, issue number seven. And this is from, uh, I love this team, Joshua Williamson and art by D. Giamendo Cio. I'm so sorry. I apologize. But this is uh, Barry Allen and Godspeed kind of having their their first sort of part of their major showdown. And so the character August, I remember his first name at least, has unveiled a couple of issues ago that he is Godspeed. And August was like a detective. And he was going around actually wiping out the powers and killing all of these new flashes that have just recently been imbued with the with the flash powers from the speed force having this sort of lightning storm well uh, officer august slash godspeed is just killing all these young flash recruits and so he revealed that he is godspeed and this is just kind of action-packed i love the way they use speed here i love the way that the the spark and lightning and yellow and orange sort of thin line sparks are constantly kind of everywhere really giving that that essence of speed feel, I love it. And there's just a lot of blurring oranges and blurring yellows that really have just a cool speed effect. It's just, it's it's beautiful work. I mean, props to Mr. I won't try it again, to the artist of, <laughs> of Flash 7. But as the action starts here, Flash isn't doing too well. He has to take a moment and regroup and sort of heal at the Flash Force, heal him. And he's trying to figure out a way to catch Godspeed, to stop Godspeed. He definitely cannot keep up with him. The Flash is not fast enough. He is not the fastest man alive here <laughs> in this comic now. As he's healing, he's, he's trying to come up with a way, something different, by using science. I love that. How can he figure out a way to, to keep up with Godspeed, to stop him from killing what's left of these uh, new Flash cadets? Because I don't think there's very many of them left. And they've put together this sort of compound for training these uh, flash cadets and yeah it's looking pretty lonely and he's just got to regroup and, and get his wits about him and he's he's a little down I, I love that they play with barry's emotions here you definitely see it it's it's peaks and valleys you know it's just not a lot of in the middle part of the road here you got you got him way down in the dumps or super high and happy and i just love that that emotional range they're playing with with barry allen here so yeah and what godspeed does some of the sequences of how he gruesomely kills people is pretty awesome, I gotta say. And how he like infuses uh, people with actually vibrating their bodies to a, such a high speed that they sort of um, meld into the walls and then he leaves them there. It's crazy and kind of gruesome and scary. Yet Godspeed is not this sort of vicious, kind of menacing evil villain. He's like kind of having a good time with it. It's kind of strange. I don't like that. It's, uh, you know, I didn't read a lot of the older Flash stuff for me. I was never really a big Flash fan. And I know a lot of people criticize Godspeed as, well, it's just like, you know, Thrawn. It's just like uh, Zoom. It's, But I didn't read a lot of that in the past. I have the show, the CW TV show, as sort of a reference. So for me, Godspeed feels fresh, feels interesting, feels different. And I really like that. 
So that's why I highly recommend Flash. And coming in at number six from Image Comics is Saga, number 38. This is uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn and art by Fiona Staples. And her art on this is ridiculous. She has this interesting, sort of very plain and simple way of drawing the craziest of worlds. I mean, this splash page at the beginning where there's sort of these ghost-like zombie demons that... <laughs> it's just hilarious because they're the one word coming out of their their zombie mouths are taints <laughs> it's like what and like we're coming to eat your taints and it, you it, you quickly realize it's the the ghost babysitter they have I, I again it was so long ago as to how her spirit is still anchored to the earth I'm, i don't quite remember but she's this sort of pink ghost that is that is the babysitter of uh, the the primary character and the storyteller of the saga story, and this is interesting because they they sort of come along this this family of mercats that they have to refuel their ship, but the mercats are like starving, so they use the ship and its organics because their ship is like a flying tree to feed this family of mercats that talk these alien upright sort of it reminds me of like kind of rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy, but a family of them, these murkats, these talking murkats. And they zip forward in time. So they're doing that sort of saga thing, which I kind of love. They're moving the story kind of quickly. Uh, the, Of course, the the Marco's wife, I'm not sure if they're married, but baby mama, is uh, significantly pregnant now. So the story is told from the young daughter's perspective in a, she's in the future. We don't, we're not really sure how old she is, but she's sort of telling her life story in this narration, which is kind of interesting in itself in the writing style. And so they zip forward in time here. They're, they're still feeding the Murcat family. Their tree is still charging. So it's taken a lot longer, I think, than they expected. And the young girl is not treating the babysitter all that well. And there's just this very harsh moment where the, and her name already escapes me. The the young child that is the storyteller here treats her babysitter horribly here. And there's just sort of a quick narration of how she treats her. And I, I like that. It's just sort of like uh, we're all a-holes at one point or another. That's basically kind of what she says here. Because <laughs> they're like these squashing these these space bugs. And it's just kind of cool her. And, and uh, here it is. What? Like you were never a vicious little a-hole when you were that age. So... It's this awkward sequence, and everyone can sort of relate to that, right? When you were young and you had that brain damage, and you, you, you really just, you were horrible to a babysitter. I know I'm guilty of that. <laughs> so sorry, but it's just very relatable and kind of heartfelt, and kind of messed up little scene. And the babysitter goes out to investigate something, and something very significant happens to the babysitter. That's exactly where I'm going to leave it. But it's very interesting. This feels like a a very important issue to have and buy and purchase like it's a sort of uh, moment that I think is a big moment that will be looked upon later with like wow it happened in issue 38 that's all I'm going to say but get saga it's fantastic it's this crazy weird very at times super sort of r-rated and sometimes even feels like sort of overly graphic and it's nudity and stuff but it is a sci-fi adventure fun fantasy that's extra kind of nuts and batshit crazy, but I really dig it. That is Saga 38. That's my number six. And number five is one of the number ones, one of the two. 
It is Frostbite from Vertigo Comics, issue number one, written by Joshua Williamson. Of course, he's doing Flash. And this is some gorgeous art by Jason Sean Alexander. His work is amazing. You have to see it. It's very, very hyper-realistic. It has a very, it, like you're looking at a painting kind of feel to it. A lot of very finite lines. It just looks like ink on a page. And I was lucky enough to have him do a sketch in my book. And the man is an insane, super skilled artist. He was using a sort of metal brush uh, sprayed with ink to add this sort of splattery blood effect. And you can tell he's done that here in Frostbite. And the, and the opening page, the opening sequence here is a man being tortured in the middle of the street. And the second page sort of lays out that it's Los Angeles 57 years into the new ice age and it's 12 degrees. And so he lays out an epic sort of large pulled back landscape here of a world in deeply entrenched in this, in this, uh, in this frozen tundra. And let me tell you, it's something cool about comics in the snow, right? Not easy to do. He pulls it off and they've got some cool, almost like Tumblr uh, Batman looking vehicles here. I love his uh, his attention to detail in all the vehicles. Props to you, Jason Sean Alexander, because they just look very very cool. But this is ultimately a story of this of this team centered around this woman, who to me she's like a she is like a a smuggler. She's kind of a darker Han Solo in a way, and yeah, you're you're wondering what her motivation is. She just seems very you know, the, this is the world, and it's gruesome, and it's a dark place. So there seems to be just sort of this dark cloud around her, which you don't fully understand yet. But there are people sort of fighting for their lives here, and when they get hit with this frostbite, it it comes on rather quickly, and they can be shattered into you know into all these ice fragments, like they just freeze so quickly, and they they sort of hint upon that it's a virus, not just people are just freezing to death. And so I definitely want to see more about about that and what's that all about. And maybe that's what the frostbite is. It's actually a virus. But there is a sequence here with a man that is willing to seriously overpay uh, the lady here and, and to get somewhere. And so she's she already has the, uh, the danger radar up with this sort of sequence where he's just willing to pay whatever for him and his daughter to get across country. Well, it quickly shows they're being chased, and there's some stuff that goes down here, very action-packed. And yeah, this is taking a left turn. She agreed to help this this man and his wife for this insane amount of money to help them get to where they need to go in their awesome sort of this, this giant ATV uh, snowmobile thing that they're driving in that her and her group are, are in. And... Yeah, you think, hey, that's going to be pretty nice to make it across, well, that, you know, in this awesome, this awesome snowmobile, yeah, the snowmobile doesn't make it, there you go, so, what are they going to do, like, they're going to, they, she still accepted this, this bounty, this, this, uh, this very expensive Uber ride across the, the frozen world, but, yeah, what's going to happen here, and she definitely does something in here that makes you not necessarily root for her, she's very dark, she's kind of twisted, She's maybe the bad guy. You're not quite sure. I think we're definitely see some some layers of this primary character in the in the in this comic book called Frostbite. So fantastic! I'm definitely in. I've added it to the pull list. Jason Sean Alexander on art, no brainer. Fantastic, fantastic. So that's why Frostbite is number five. And coming in at number four from Albatross Funny Books, definitely my favorite comic book 
name of a publisher, Albatross Finding Books, written by Eric Powell, is Hillbilly, issue number three. And he does it all here. He's the, he's the writer, he's the penciler, finisher, colorist. And let me tell you, his work is beautiful. If you haven't read The Goon or any of his work, Chimichanga is one that comes into mind. Take a look at Eric, Eric Powell's work. It doesn't come up out very often, but when it does, it's really something special. He has this sort of flashback to the sort of 50s, 40s style, this, this uh, very kind of Rockwellian style that's just gorgeous and hyper-detailed. And he does spooky better than anyone. And this is a cool story about the hillbilly. And ultimately, it says here, there are many tales of Rondell the Wandering Hillbilly. This is but one. So he has a group that's with him, which consists of Lucille, this giant talking grizzly bear, who I love this sequence where they're kind of wandering here. There was these three sort of rock trolls that were killed, and they're trying to find out who killed them. Come to find out the trolls were after some sort of gem or jewel as they're finding and slowly piecing together information on this road trip. And he has a couple of other individuals that are with him that he met in town on the previous couple of issues. So there's just kind of this ragtag group here of, uh, of investigators that want to find out how these three trolls were killed. And they have their talking grizzly bear there. And there's a sequence with the grizzly bear where Lucille is not so interested in what the rest of them are doing. She's ultimately a grizzly bear. So they, she has some humanization, but... She still has her instinct as a grizzly bear. And so she decides to hunt in this river and just kind of tells the group, you know, you can just go on without me. I'm going to hunt and eat some fish and do my thing because I'm a grizzly bear and there's not much you can do about that. Tough. Deal with it. And of course, the fish is talking that Lucille catches and they have this cool little little sequence that almost kind of is like a like a Japanese haiku and how they deal with each other. And it's very poetic and how, you know, the fish says, you know, why are you doing this? And the bear says, well, like, I'm, I'm a bear. And there's just this strange sort of poetic moment that they have. And it's just, it's, it's peaceful and it's quiet. And there's part of it that's just like this beautiful nature moment. But then, of course, they're talking. So it adds this other sort of hyper element. And I just really enjoyed it. It draws you in. And, and it's just a, a very kind of cool, just little moment that that this grizzly bear and this fish in this river are having it's weird and it's cool and i like it but they in their in their journey here they come across this dog that tells them the story of the witch that killed the rock the rock trolls and do they trust this witch is this the right thing to do do they go forward and follow the witch's uh, path and that she leads them on where they're or they're not sure this I mean, it is a talking dog thing, so it's <laughs> they're not quite sure if they should just go along with what the dog's telling them. But I don't want to ruin any more of it because there's a neat little twist in this, but very cool. There's also this mountain lion that, that is introduced, and there's a cool fight scene between the mountain lion and the grizzly bear. Come on. And why, I'm not going to tell you, but please check out Hillbilly. You will not be disappointed. It's hard to get, I know, indie published from Eric Powell. But it is fantastic. Hillbilly is just a ton of fun. I look forward to it every single month and a half, two months that it comes out. I know it's not totally consistent, but if you just want to wait a little while and pick them all up when it's done, this does feel like a six-issue arc is about to happen. I can just feel it. Mark my words. But here we go now. We're in the top three picks of the week. And yes, they were super, super good. Coming in at number three is from... The number one, the other number one, by the way, 
from Dark Horse and Boom Studios partnering together. So this is the other number one that made it to the top picks is Edgar Rice Burroughs' Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes, number one. Written by Tim Seeley, art by David Walker, and uh, actually Tim Seeley and David Walker are the storytellers, art by Fernando Dagnino. And man, colors by Sandra Molina, beautiful colors. It just has that early 1900s sort of feel to it. And uh, the, some very hyper crisp lines. And uh, the thing that I love about this comic the most is that it sort of takes the old Planet of the Apes movies, the old Tarzan movies, the new Tarzan movies, the new Planet of the Apes movies, including the Tim Burton uh, Planet of the Apes movie, which I know is crazy. And there was this one time Justin and I sat down and tried to break down the very end of that Tim Burton <laughs> Planet of the Apes movie. And let me tell you, it's all sort of mixed in here. Kerchak is in here, so it's even sort of the Tarzan cartoon. And again, the old uh, Tarzan uh, movies are just sort of referenced here. So it's like they they took essences of each of those sort of properties and movies and TV shows and just kind of blended them all together. I mean, the the major colonel or general that is uh, of the Planet of the Apes here that is uh, is on the hunt for the Tarzan character is... Is uh, the from the from the Tim Burton the the general there, which I can't remember his name, but there's that reference there with the same sort of similar headdresses and the outfits that they had, and this sort of starts in the early 1900s and then flashes back uh, or flashes forward to sort of current day. This has ultimately to do with a sort of rip in time that's opened up, but it starts all the way in like East West Africa in 1900, sort of the origin of, of Tarzan and the planet of the apes are there. So that rip in time sort of blends the two worlds together and that's how it happens. And Tarzan is being raised by Cornelius and another female planet of the ape character, which Cornelius was also from the Tim Burton uh, planet of the apes. And I'm sure also from the older ones. So there's just this nod to that constantly to the uh, sort of all encompassing world that is Planet of the Apes and Tarzan. And I just really love that. And there's a sequence here where this this opening in space and time now has dinosaurs that have roaming around the early 1900s. And there's a Triceratops. It's one of my favorite dinosaurs there, drawn so beautifully. Uh, Tarzan's riding to save his sort of younger Planet of the Apes brother. And it's just a ton of fun. And then you uh, you they allude to, don't really show, that Tarzan zips into the way far future. And oh, you even see Clayton here. So Clayton claims to be the future head of the Greystoke family, the future Lord of Greystoke. So again, nods. And some of the creatures here now are they show are not just in the dinosaur realm, but maybe something else. And I like that. You're kind of going, wow, there's okay, you have dinosaurs, you have Planet of the Apes, you have Tarzan, and then you have these sort of other strange creatures, winged creatures that look sort of like pterodactyls, but not. So has it stepped into the demon realm? But yeah, they're sitting on a tree eating a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. So it's a ton of fun. I'm not exactly sure exactly what's happening yet because it's a, it's a all over the place with a lot of sort of story, you know, sort of storylines, but you are really just introduced into the world here and all the characters here, and I can't wait to see what happens next and how these worlds come together. It seems like is going to be explained a little bit more. But I love the ride. It's just a it's a fun homage, and it just it fills with nostalgia and a lot of fun. And I gotta say, grab it. I wasn't expecting it. It was like my surprise 
pick of the week this week that I was like, wow, really? I'll, I'll take a peek at Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes. But uh, I didn't have real super high hopes. And I was like, man, this is this is freaking amazing. Well, anyway, there it is. It's my number three pick of the week. So coming in at number two is from Top Cow and Image Comics. It is Eclipse, number two. And Eclipse is uh, written by Mr. Zach Kaplan. And the art is from Giovanni Timpano. And color was from Chris Northrup. And uh, you also had the letterer, Troy Pateri. And let me tell you, I number one didn't make picks of the week, but number two absolutely did. It's like, and I really love when that happens. Whereas sometimes you get just sort of too much packed into issue number one because, you know, writers are afraid of not getting any followers, not getting anyone interested, and they want to pack just way too much, and then you feel this sort of emotional, sort of uh, heavy step downwards, and where it thins out after that, and that's sometimes, I think, uh, even readers like me, you, it's a, it's a big sort of change in gears, and it's hard to sort of hang in there long enough sometimes for that ramp up for things to happen emotionally and physically well this is well paced from mr kaplan let me tell you because number two is just anyway the synapse of course is the world has been just sort of decimated by this solar flare event or as i called again sunspots event and uh, it was like 10 years ago this first part starts out as a flashback to sort of very quickly after this event happened and the coloring here, this washed out, sort of burnt, scorched earth look. It, it, it's some great sweeping panels at this early few on, on page number one. It really lays out the world. And how they show human beings that are just sort of melted to a crisp is uh, is pretty horrifying. I mean, it's not a horror comic, um, but uh, it's, it's frightening. It has that sci-fi mix with there is our main character, Bax, who is showing sort of his early motivation here. The, uh, it was uh, it was F day, and there is a limousine that smashes through this building, and they realize that it's like it's the mayor, it's Mayor Holden, and it's him and his firefighter buddy uh, backs that are there, and they have to decide to help this mayor or fend for themselves, and it does look like he steps up. So you're going, okay, he was kind of this reluctant character before. Because he has this awesome suit that allows him to walk outside because everyone else will just die if the sun hits you. And he um, has sort of multiple tasks. He's in this unique task force that can kind of be bounced around to all these different situations. And he was actually called upon to find the daughter of a of a sort of head CEO of this corporation called Solarity. And you just have this looming feeling that Solarity is a character in its own. And this corporation is going to have a lot to do with this story. But he's really just kind of laying out a bunch of very sort of heavier, sort of complicated characters here. And he has a, a, this conversation with Rose uh, Cielo here, whereas he does find the girl uh, that was in the, in the club. And her, her bodyguards were killed with the power of the sun. And how they use that in issue number one is awesome. And using these mirrors and the sunlight to and she was luckily under this under a body under a bunch of bodies and stayed alive. But uh 
I'm going to start ending it here because I don't want to spoil it. I promised them I won't. This is an advanced copy. that The first time ever that an advanced copy of a comic has made it to the top picks. But I can just tell you this. It's, it's action-packed. It picks up where number one left off, but picks up the action. It goes further into the depth of these characters and really establishes Cielo as this interesting, unique, not just sort of one-noted character. Because I thought she would kind of be that party girl that you'd kind of be annoyed by in her character. But no, she has like... She has some depth here in what they write, and, and definitely the camaraderie between them, I think, is something that's going to be unique in this comic, which is Bax, the man of, of many talents that has the awesome sunsuit and, and Cielo. So I'm in. This is added to the pull list. It's fantastic. Again, check out the interview on the feed with me and Zach Kaplan. But this is beautiful work. The art is ridiculous. Uh, Giovanni uh, Timpano's art, I said it before, is in the style of Frank Quietly and Jeff Darrow. Check those two out. Gorgeous stuff. And at the end of one, we saw a character that can walk into the sun. So who is that? Is he a monster? Is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Is he some sort of deity? Is he a being of, of extraordinary ability? What is he? So he's a mystery at this point, and I like that they're just tickling you with a feather here. And you don't really know what that character is that can walk into the sun. So fantastic. Please check it out. Next Wednesday, issue number two comes out October 5th on New Comic Book Day. But the number one pick of the week for me, man, I tell you, it was tough between Eclipse and this. It was a, it was a close, I mean, it's almost a tie. They were both fantastic in their own right. Um, but uh, is number one uh, is the Tales from the Dark Side from IDW, issue number four, written by Joe Hill, son of Stephen King, and Gabriel Rodriguez, fantastic artist that did lock and key and he's really taken some extra measures here to really show some hyper detail and lay out the creep winner of the week which is i had to tell you tales from the dark side in the previous episodes in a nutshell there is this sort of man that these dark side events happen when he's around that's all i want to really tell you because you should go back and read one through three of tales from the dark side it is something special it was this movie pitch set that was kind of or TV show that was set to be this TV show, and for some reason it didn't make it and failed, Joe Hill said, I'm going to put these out in comic form anyway. And I think it's going to reinvigorate the people that passed on this particular franchise, and I would think that this is going to inspire some additional interest. But I would love to see this as a creepy sort of Twilight zone kind of you know TV series. I think it would be fantastic. But... This is sort of a glimpse or a moment where you're going to see a, a window open in this dark side event where it's sort of this, the other world or upside down world, uh, this this land that is an, uh, maybe a hyper dimension, another dimension of just evil and horror and monsters and demons that looks like is beginning to spill over or, or kind of cross over with the traditional world that we live in. And this shows our main character that's kind of standing out in the middle of the street. And uh, his name is uh, Newman. I just remember Newman. Brian Newman. There it is. And Brian Newman standing out in the middle of the street and then sort of vanishes. And that car drives by. This car drives by with a young woman there. And she's on her phone <laughs> texting while driving. And then the uh, our Brian Newman just sort of mysteriously vanishes. And you know that is just, he just laid down the birth upon a dark side event happening right where they are. And that's kind of exactly what happens. So she runs over the mailbox of this house. She goes into the house saying, hey, there was someone here. I thought I almost ran over someone, but now he's gone. I ran over your mailbox. And there is this absolutely frightening, you can tell right from the get-go, 
that this family's this this husband and wife are being controlled in some way by a very dark entity and they cannot get this hyper smile it's like this joker smile on their face that's just impaled there and it's frightening and you come to realize that these two little children these two little omen damians these two little creepy kids that will not take their face out of their their ipad basically are controlling this this husband and wife uh, is that their parents i don't know are they actual children um doesn't sound like it from their verbiage here so joe hill really lays out a frightening sort of premise right here and it's just sort of this happenstance moment that happens and it's crazy creepy and the and the kids can actually look through their iPads and sort of manifest strange things that come to life in the world. So they look at like this block, this very ordinary block of of kitchen steak knives, and they say butterfly knives, and then boom, they sort of come to life with this butterfly attached to this knife, uh, and it's just creepy and kind of beautiful at the same time, which that's kind of what he's playing with here, and I can definitely feel it. There's this unique sort of artistic look and kind of gorgeous but then it's just hyper real with this sort of mix of horror but it's not sort of just over the top horror i like that it's again it's this frightening sort of you know uh twilight zone kind of kind of one episode single episode and yeah the the it's like this great movie where the baby so so she decides to just babysit the kids because she feels bad about the breaking their 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 mailbox and stumbles into this sort of babysitting job with these two demons and it's uh, the boyfriend comes over of course it's just it's set up that way very sort of nostalgic it has this kind of I don't know this this uh, this very nostalgic 80s 90s feel to it uh, and it's probably because of the parents the way they sort of look like they've been picked out of time somewhere and maybe that's possible as well because this little dark side event has happened so it's a cool little adventure it's action it's horror there's some funny moments in it these kids are 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 horribly devious but yet funny at the same time and the moments where he draws them sort of looking right at us is it's creepy it gives you the kind of the chill it gave me like the raise and give me the chills in the back of my neck like it's it's well done because of the beautiful art of gabriel rodriguez which uh, again this is the cover art winner and the art winner of the week from gabriel rodriguez He's doing top-notch stuff here, folks. You gotta gotta see it. It's a cartoony style, but hyper-realistic, and it's all about the eyes. And uh, yeah, it'll freak you out. But it's super, super good. So there you go. Those are my comic book recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, September 28th. Please, 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 go to a local comic book shop. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent you, and buy these eight comic books. And if you want to see the full list of everything I bought and things that didn't make it, again. Just go over and peek at sunspotscomics.com. Check it out. If you have questions, comments, you'd like maybe a personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email, by the way, and discuss it on a podcast, I'll send you a little free comic book prize. It's just a personal thank you. So please check all that stuff out. And next week, there's a pretty big week, actually. I've got 19 comics again and uh, five new number ones. That's coming out for October 5th. And I hope that my local comic book shop is able to pull all those aside so I can see all five of those. So potentially with those five, 24 comics I'll be reading next week and I'll make my recommendation of the greats to you. So thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast and you really want to help us out here at Sunspots Comics, 
just go to iTunes, give us a positive review and five stars. That'll be huge. I'll personally thank you and read the, the, the review on a future podcast and it'll really do the show props. It'll really be a nice thing to do for us. So if you got a, a moment, just take some time, go over to iTunes, give us five stars and a positive review. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So thank you very much. I'll see you next week for issue 75 of the Sunspots Comics podcast. Thank you again. This is Crystal Torrey. I'm your host. And don't forget, of course, to be water, my friends. Be water. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> All righty. Looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where look no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow It's Sunspots Comics now